This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Skate Podcast, talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some bees talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome to episode 281 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Bridget Prue here with Scott McLaughlin. Brian, I guess, is stuck at work. Um, so we do not have Brian today. We all had a really busy uh, day today. That's why we're recording late. Like we would have preferred to have done this in the morning, but we were all very busy. Uh, it, for me, it's crunch time for college hockey and yeah. I'm all hands on deck with three college hockey games this week, two playoff games for the women, a PC men's game. It's I'm, I'm all over the place. So um, I was doing coaches calls while I was working the Red Sox game at WEI. I don't know. Uh, I had no time until tonight. Um, and apparently neither did Brian. Uh, so he is not here. I think, I think Brian's really just so depressed and dejected from all these blown leads that he's like, guys, I'm going to need another couple of days. Yes. Yes. Brian tends to be um, the negative one. Except for it's Ben Scott recently. I feel like you've turned. It's like when when you have a friend. It's like that episode of The Office where Michael starts like Pam was freaking out, but then she has to be calm because Michael starts freaking out. It's like one person has to get their shit together to calm the other one down. <laughs> yeah, well, the, you know what's weird? Like the dynamic it changes because on on here, Brian is going to be the, like the more pessimistic one and we get we have to reel him back in sometimes but then i feel like on sunday skate it's like you're it's not gonna be you it's not gonna be razor so it's like i'm free to just like let that side take over on sunday morning his bad boy, he's ready to let his bad boy out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well and, and like especially like sunday morning's like 11 hours after they blow that game in vancouver and it's like you know it's not I'm still feeling it, you know, like yeah, in, that there's no recovery time. And you know. and you know what? I have a feeling this podcast could go like that too, because you haven't had a lot of time to recover from that game last night uh, in Seattle that ended at 1 a.m. again. Um, of course, every, every game that starts at 10 p.m. Got to go overtime, shootout. Can't, you know, just, just can't well, go to bed. Yeah. That's just every Bruins game, period, now. Yeah, yeah, no, they're all going to go to overtime. Spoiler alert. If you uh, recorded it and then you woke up in the morning, first of all, good for you. You didn't stay up till 1 in the morning. Second of all, it was a very long recording, and um, I'm sorry if you got to the ending and were disappointed by the results, which uh, we will get into. So um, 
we we actually disagree about like though we agree that this road trip has been like very frustrating in a lot of ways and and we 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 agree on certain things that have gone wrong and, and that need to get fixed we also disagree a lot about a few things from last night's game in Seattle so um or at least in a nuanced way so I'll start with my opening shift and um, then we can debate it after because Scott already tried to debate me on it before we even start recording. So uh, what I was saying to him was like my main takeaway, like when I think back on the game against Seattle, there were a few different times where it was like, okay, this is it. Like, here they are, they're back. And then it was no. And it was like, okay, strong first period. Great. Okay. Second period. Good. Like, they have a lead and then all of a sudden it's the same old crap. You know, it's, it's the same, same, you know what, different day. And, and then, but then like, okay, Posse Dog scores a hat trick and you're, you're back like, great, <laughs> here we go again. This could be it. And then it was, it was an emotional roller coaster for people who haven't given up yet. Right. So I sit there and I, and I watch the games now for like, is this the moment that things get back on track? And it could be anything from like an um, like something emotional, like like that Morgan Geeky goal that called got called back. I was, I think it was a stupid call, but I also really felt like it it could have been a a boost emotionally for the Bruins because it meant something to him and the little girl that um was there that that he helped with her, um tr- help get her a bone marrow transplant and like there was a really nice story about how you know him and and his connection. Obviously, he played in Seattle, but his connection to that little girl that um, had cancer and, and, um, and you could just see on his face that that goal meant more to him than any other time. Like never seen him that emotional after a goal. And um, it was, it could have been a significant moment, maybe boost the energy, um, give some emotion to the team and then it gets called back. And so you're like, Oh, that's great. And you're cheering or whatever, if you're a Bruins fan and then you're right back down to, I went from being like, that's a great moment because they showed the little girl super excited. It, I was like, this is a great moment. And then I went from that to screaming at my TV. So, and it was very late and I was very grumpy already. So that's all to say it was a roller coaster in the same way most of the games have been since the, since the road trip started. And just when you think there's going to be this moment that things get back can get back on track and you can build off of it just goes the other way again see that's why you should just give up hope like i have mr sassy again now yeah i mean we'll get into it more but like uh, at second intermission they're playing well they're up to one and there was no doubt in my mind that they were going to blow that that at the very least that it was going to end up tied at some point in the third period and then, you know, see what happens from there. Like, maybe they still find a way to win in regulation, although they haven't done that recently. They've now gone nine games without winning in regulation. Uh, so, you know, that's not good. Um, but, yeah, we'll get into my, my feelings on the on the game and, and not all these blowing leads. But my opening shift is uh, building off something that I said on Sunday Skate, which is I feel like this team needs – uh, a real shakeup if they're going to be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. I, no matter what their record is, no matter what seating they finish with, I, I just have a hard time seeing this team make a deep run as is. I do have a little bit of an addendum to that, which is that 
I also wouldn't blame Don Sweeney if he decides that shaking that there's just not a good way to shake things up and that it's better to just stand pat and retool Scott. in the summer because that would be boring to me. Like, I, that's not what I want. Uh, you know, shakeups are, are more exciting to talk about and write about. Um, and I think it would make this team more of a cup contender. But yeah, that's the whole point, Scott. <laughs> yeah, but. I, I, like I also acknowledge that for Don Sweeney to do anything is going to be very difficult. Like we've gone over it and we'll talk about it again before the March 8th trade deadline, but they have, they have very few assets, um, no cap space. So it's, it's not going to be easy. And if Sweeney doesn't think there's like enough, if there's like a big enough move out there for him to make that turns him into a cup contender, then don't, don't just like make moves around the, like don't give up assets for, a rental or a depth player, something that makes, you know, a marginal difference, either, either go big and like try to make this team a, a, a better looking cup team on the fly or say, you know, I've done what I can, you know, we're in cap hell. We still are. Let's, you know, get back at it in the summer. Okay, well, you are so hot and cold this week. I don't even know. Like, who is this Scott? Like, I could show up to work tomorrow and you could be like, actually, they should just add a fourth liner. Um, <laughs> no, I think, I, think I'm, the um, I, I think I'm out with that. I think it, it either needs to be, it either needs to be go go big or yeah, but, just just stand pad and save up all your assets for the summer. Uh, you're, you, that's not going to happen. That's not gonna not gonna happen? Ha- it's not going to happen. Which one? The, they're not just going to stand pat. It's just not how that's going to go. I think you're right because I think Sweeney will feel the need to show some level of investment. Like, if nothing else, then to the room. Like, yes. show the guys that you believe in them. But I wonder if, like, secretly he maybe doesn't believe in them. You know you know what I mean? Like, like I wonder if part of him feels the same way I do, which is, like, this team is at least one big move away. And if you can't make that big move, like what are you really doing? Like, are you giving up a second round pick for for a fourth liner? Like what, you know, what does that really accomplish? It's not that you can't make a big move. It's that you have, it's what it's going to take, right? Like it's going to take trading Allmark or DeBrusque. Like it's going to take that. So it's not that it can't happen. It's that you have to convince yourself that you're comfortable with parting ways with someone that you weren't originally thinking you would have to if if the team didn't look like it needed such a big shakeup. So it's I personally side on, like, based on history and, and the way that Don Sweeney operates at the trade deadline, that he is more likely to go do something that surprises people and trade someone off the active roster or, you know, make a, a bigger move than people are expecting. And that maybe we haven't even thought of, you know, all the stuff that goes on behind closed doors. But I think that's more likely than him just doing nothing like, or just like trading a fourth liner for, you know, or trading for a fourth liner for a mid round or late round draft pick or um, swapping guys that are bottom, bottom six or, you know, fourth liners or whatever. I'm, I think that they're going to, they're, they're more likely to do something big than they are to do nothing at all, because that's just not, 
I don't think that's how Don Sweeney works. I don't think Don Sweeney counts them out for the whole season that they're they're not going to be able to make a deep playoff run. They were in first place, <laughs> Scott. Do you remember they, that? They still are. They, that's what I'm talking about. They, they still have the best record in the Eastern Conference. They're, so you're like not a not a cup contender. Like I know you and your freaking analytics. What are you going to hit me with now? With with some deep stats and the Corsi percentage, whatever. Okay, here's one. Here's a fun one. Of the Great. 16 teams currently in the playoffs, they rank 15th in high danger chances allowed. Is that supposed to change my mind? <laughs> well, it says that 14 of the 16 playoff teams are better than them at not giving up high danger chances. Here, here's another one. When this ties into the blow and leads, playing with the lead this year, of the they rank 22nd in the NHL and Corsi when they're playing with the lead of the 16 playoff teams, they rank 14. We can go through all the blown lead stats. They have the worst record among playoff teams when leading after two periods. Um, eight. They're now what? Nine losses when leading after two periods, most in the NHL, like all, all this stuff I just think is, too much to overcome. Like, it's not even like they're playing good hockey and just having bad luck. Like they legitimately just play like crap when they have the lead in the third period. It's legitimately bad hockey. You do not think it's fixable at all. Like you've gone to the point where this is just not fixable for you. How many, we're what four months into the season. And I I haven't seen this every month. I haven't seen any improvement. Like every time it looked like they were maybe turning a corner, they take a step back. So, you know, now we're less than two weeks from the trade deadline, really just a little over a week. Like, I don't know. How how long am I supposed to wait for them to turn it around and figure it out? Everybody knows there's ebbs and flows to a season and there are obstacles that you have to get over. And it's not the same team last year that didn't have any obstacles really. Um, This is what, this is just what happens. Like there, but it's, it's not a... happening to the other top teams in the league. The other top teams in the league yeah, are but... closing out games. Yes, but they're still finding a way to stay in first place. Like th- that's because the all thing. these games that go to overtime, they still get a point. Which, yeah. by the way, completely separate. But the NHL needs to go to a three-point system. Like it, the loser point is so stupid. You get three points for a regulation win, two for an overtime or shootout win. One for overtime or shootout loss, zero regulation loss. Like, yeah, that's call. That's what they do in college. So yeah, because like, so we look at this road trip, and I even heard like some of the Bruins players saying after the game, like, "Well, we got five of eight points," and it's like, does that feel like a five out of eight road trip? Like, do do you look at that road trip where they go one zero and three and think, yeah, that was better than fifty percent? No, like, so if you had the three point system, it would be. Five out of twelve, which sounds more like how that what they deserve. Back. Yeah, yeah, and but and like to your point, I'll give you this one because if we're talking about like what happens in the playoffs, if they if they go to overtime and if they so if this road trip was like the results of of a playoff series, so starting about starting with the four games with the Oilers, so they win game one, they go to overtime, lose game two, go to overtime, lose game three go to overtime, lose game four. So they're at this point, they would be in a hole uh, where they would be down three to one 
in a playoff series if if it was playoff rules, right? Like we're not we're, overtime losses don't get you shit in the playoffs. So I mean, you don't get a point for that. So um, uh, I, yeah. have some, I have something else I want to get off my chest on, on that too. So I've heard this now like multiple times about, you know, cause the Bruins obviously pretty clearly suck at three on three um, or have for most of the season. And it's like, well, good thing that you don't have to play three and three overtime in the playoffs. And it's like, yeah, but, like, is it supposed to be comforting that, okay, oh, well, if you blow a third-period lead in, in the playoffs and go to overtime, at least it's five-on-five. Five. And I'm like, I don't know. Have you watched playoff hockey? Because it's still a crapshoot. Like, it's still a 50-50 proposition. It still just takes one play, one bounce, one mistake. So, like, the whole idea is you've got to close these games out in regulation. And whether overtime's three-on-three three or five-on-five, five, like, that remains true. The The bigger problem, like, yeah, I don't care that they stink at three on three, like whatever. The bigger problem is that they keep ending up there because they keep blowing these leads. Yeah. And, and to that point, if you can't hold a lead, I, I, I guess there is a difference between six on five and five on five. Like they're, they're struggling when they're the extra attackers on the ice. And um, obviously that wasn't the case last game, but we've seen it crop up and we talked about it on Sunday skate with razor, but like five on five, they're not holding leads. Like they're giving up goals in, in the late stages. And um, yeah. And, and by the way, you're not going to overtime. Most games that you, you play like they did against Seattle in the third period, because you're not getting a, hat trick from David Pasternak every game. Well, at least we thought it was a hat trick from David Pasternak. Um, but that's a separate story, but like, you're not always going to get a three goal performance from your, or a two goal performance from your best player. Um, that's just not going to happen for you every game. Like sometimes you rely too much on, on that and goaltending to bail you out. And that is where I do think there's a problem. Like, I'm not saying that that this road trip has shown me like positive signs. Really. I'm just saying, I don't, I think it's too soon to just completely jump off the boat. Like Scott is, um, have fun in the ocean, Scott, like I'll throw you a life raft if you want to come back at some point, but, uh, I'm, I'm not ready to be like, Oh yeah, nope, done. Season's over. If like, you remind me of some, per- some radio personalities that I usually argue with in the hallways. Um, <laughs> I don't don't agree with. I I understand anything can happen in the playoffs, and there's been plenty of teams that aren't playing great when the playoffs start and end up making deep runs. And like the the 2011 Bruins had, like they slumped pretty close to the end of the regular season. Like they 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 had a bit of a dip. Like I want to say late March, maybe even into early April. And then even felt, you know, even fall behind 2-0 to the Canadians in the first round and then wake up and start going. So I get that it can happen. So I don't totally rule that out. It just doesn't seem especially like, like I just can't ignore this big flashing sign every time they blow a lead and be like, oh no, that'll be fine. Like, don't, don't worry about that guys. Like, I'm sure they'll figure it out. And it's like, no, you know, at some point, it's like you got to look at the sign and be like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe I should actually pay attention to that because it's not stopping. You want to know what what I like about Sunday Skate? 
it's like me and Razor versus you most of the time. So like, I feel like we, we get to, we, we, we get to stick together and he's not here right now, but I know he would be saying, what the hell, Scott, give it up already. <laughs> he's cause by the way, his tone was that he was not worried. Right. It was like put pump the brakes on this hysteria over, um, you know, losing a few overtime games, shootout games on the road trip. Um, He's the opposite of you. He also obviously comes from a completely different background um, where well, he's, he's Canadian. He's just, he's just too nice. I'm, uh, but, I, but even, but even with that though, like even Razor acknowledged there is, you know, a lot to fix here and like we can, nobody over, said but... there wasn't anything to fix. The question is, is it fixable before the playoffs and for the playoffs? That's the difference. Yeah, and, and to me, like, without some sort of shakeup to the roster, it feels like a lot. It feels like a lot that has to get fixed. Like, I I think that they, they play way too passive when they have the lead. They end up trapped in their own zone at, you know, third period last night. Like, you you think, you know, you're playing well, you have the lead, final game of the road trip, like, come out, leave it all on the line. Seattle gets the first nine shots on goal of the third period. Like it just can't happen. They can't get out of their own zone. Yeah. It, Covering, leaving guys uncovered in front of the net remains a problem. Like the Oliver Bjorkstrand goal that made it three, two Seattle. He just finds a soft spot between Grizzly and Carlo and gets the tip. And it's like, that's happened too much. And there was another that the game tying goal. So third period starts. Bruins get outshot nine to nothing. One of those shots goes in the back of the net. Geeky loses a face off and, and Dunn scored to tie it to two. So we're, we're following this theme of face off losses that within the next 30 seconds end up. I think, I think it was actually Frederick that, that lost that. Oh, was it Frederick? Yeah. Was well, it's another face off loss. And, and it's been different people at different times. It was Zaka. It was, you know, it, the only one it seems to not happen to too much is Charlie Coyle, but. It's still, you know, it's these face-off losses that in the D zone that are turning into, and it's a it's a lot of point shots that are finding it their way through, whether redirected or noticed that as a theme recently as well. But they're missing they're missing a forward. Like, do you do you at least you might not agree, but I fall back in the camp of forward is the place to target if you're going to do something big. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, 
Like yeah. if we're talking he about a real be- big move, that's going to save it. Like I, I still lean towards left shot defenseman as more of a need, but but think about yeah, what's been like killing the, them. In this what is kind of the point of like, this is kind of the point of like needing a lot though, because yeah, I do think they need another score. Like one of one of the problems here, and you mentioned them being too reliant on Pasternak. Too many guys have gone quiet. Too many of their forwards are have gone like way too quiet right now. Like I, I had the numbers, but Brad Marsh and one goal in the last nine games. Pavel Zaka none in the last nine. Jake DeBrusque one in the last thirteen. Trent Frederick, two in the last 12. Morgan Geeky, two in the last 22. Danton Heinen, one in the last nine. James Van Reems, like zero points in the last five games. Like, the you know, the fourth line, the call-ups, I think they continue to be fine. Your Boakvist, Richard, mm-hmm. Brazo, no issue with the way those guys are playing. Pasternak's still, you know, doing, doing his thing, carrying the load. Coyle has three goals in the last three games. Like, I'll... He's fine. I have no issue with him right now. But the rest of that that group, like that's seven forwards in your top nine that are just too quiet right now. And it's like if if even a couple of them are going, then maybe you extend some of these leads and we're not talking about it coming down to the wire and, and getting to yeah, overtime. Man, DeBrusque had a breakaway you should have scored on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one was rough. And that's another moment where you're like, So, like, as a broadcaster, I also see the game, like, I have to see it emotionally, right? Because I'm supposed to bring emotion to a broadcast. So I'm supposed to, like, when I see Jake DeBrusque going a clear breakaway, my mind is going, like, like, this is an elevated situation where this could lead to to a goal. This could lead to, like, something exciting. And then it's another dud. Like, this is what what I'm saying. Like, I have to watch it a certain way where my emotions follow the action and it's for both teams um just as a mental exercise that I do in order to you know be a better broadcaster so then you you have that and then you it drops right um and unfortunately for the Bruins it's not been you know ex- extending those or finishing those chances where you would you would get heightened and then you would expect a payoff and then there's no payoff um so uh, yeah. I do want to switch gears a little bit because we've well, talked about this. One one more problem, like I think we have to talk about. You mentioned uh, goalies, you know, bailing them out, which they've done in the past. That has not happened recently. Like Lena Salmark and Jeremy Swayman have. Uh, Swayman has a nine hundred four save percentage since the All Star break. Allmark nine hundred three. That's literally league average. League average is nine hundred four. The way the Bruins are built and the way they've invested in goalies, like you need better than league average. And yeah, I'm just talking about, you know, like a three week stretch here. So obviously on the season as a whole, Allmark and Swayman have been very good. But it's another thing where it's like, if they were really on top of their games right now, we also might not be have, talking about so many blown leads. Like, Elmark just gave away a goal last night on the, you know, Bruins are shorthanded and he tries to clear it up the middle, shoots it right into Jordan Eberle for a goal. And it's like, there's that. And then you mentioned a point shot, Vince Dunn there. Now there might've been a little bit of a moving screen um, rewatching it again this morning, but it's still, you know, a shot from 
kind of the upper left circle that beats him under the glove. It doesn't look great. You know, I didn't think Allmark looked very good in Calgary either. Swayman had a rough game in Edmonton. I thought he was better in Vancouver. But, you know, they're not getting that extra save that they need right now either. So that's that's another problem in all this is that, you know, they are a team that's very reliant on their goaltending. And right now it's, you know, it's just been average. Yeah, and, and I don't think people would disagree about that point either. What I was saying, I was saying at different points in the season, they relied on that to bail them out. And basically, you really notice the flaws when there isn't that spectacular save by Allmark, like diving or, or swaying like coming out and, and making a huge stop. But um, at different times, there have been things that saved them. Pasternak being one of them, like uh, goaltending being one of them. Not necessarily in this stretch, but at different special points. teams being one of them yeah. for the first half of the season. Yeah, penalty and now, killing was great. And now, now really, like both special teams units have been failing them, or you know, at least haven't been good enough. Yeah, and no. they did. They did get a you know they do do get a big power play goal last night. Um, the what we thought was Pasternak's hat trick wound up being tipped by Coyle. So at That's least Charlie. the power play did that. Stole, but... stole another hat trick from Pasta. <laughs> How rude. Well, they've also each given each other a hat trick this season. I know. So I know. I'm sure Charlie, you know, wishes he could just be like, give it to him. I barely got a piece of it. Um, but yeah. Uh do you want to switch gears to special teams now? Because I do have some thoughts. Power play units got switched up, but also there was a key missing piece of their penalty kill in Seattle. And that was Derek Forbert because he missed a team meeting or was late to a team meeting. And Jim Montgomery said that was the reason why he sat against Seattle. Yeah. Not, not exactly what you want to be doing when you're already kind of struggling to keep your lineup spot and not playing very well. And you have a contract situation and your name's popping up in trade rumors and people are saying, you know, this is an area of the roster that they need to upgrade. Yeah, missing a team meeting, uh, not not a great look. And, you know, for the Bruins, it's, it's the second time it's happened this year. Uh, Jake DeBrusque on the, the first road trip of the season missed one, got benched for a game. Um, it, it, I got to say, it is kind of amazing to me when guys miss them on the road. Like, everyone's in the same hotel. Everyone's in the same spot. I don't, I don't really get how it happens. And yet it seems to happen more on the road. Then at home, like I, I could almost understand it more at home where it's like, I don't, you know, maybe someone hits traffic, gets sidetracked by something going on with their kids. Like, I feel like there'd be more excuses at home for it. And yet it does seem to happen more on the road. Yeah. I mean, uh, oversleeping maybe like, I feel like that's usually the excuse is oversleeping. Um, Cause those, those meetings can be kind of early. And I guess if you have a wife or a girlfriend or a kid, they're probably waking you up. If you're not getting up, like you're, you're awake, your kid woke you up. Um, but, but, uh, maybe, at, maybe they're just sleeping too peacefully without their kids on the road. And they just, they're just snoozing right through. Not that Jake, the rest has kids and neither does Derek forward. So. Yeah, and I was gonna say, like, <laughs> you can't even get away. Like, I don't think nowadays you can even get away with the old, Oh, I didn't no. change change the time zone on my on my alarm clock or whatever. It's like 
your phone every phone does that automatically now so yeah. like you can't that, by the that way doesn't really fly. if you've ever been around me in the morning i have a hundred alarms i have alarms that wake me up i have alarms when i'm supposed to take my medication and there's like five in a row just in case i'm aloof doing something and and i or i snooze or whatever i have like five alarms from the time of like when i wake up to when i'm supposed to take my medication that's just like bridget this is what you need to do yeah it's not really a, a valid excuse too, I, too common. I just just one alarm for me that's no no sometimes you just need to make sure that you don't you know See, you probably don't have to take medication that you need. Like, I need to take it. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. So uh, I had, that's why I have 100 alarms. Uh, I don't yeah. think this is Forbert's. This isn't Forbert's excuse, though. Like, it's, it's no. not an excuse for missing. And it's embarrassing, right? Like, you'd think people wouldn't miss it or be late to it because of the embarrassing factor to it. Like, it gives people a reason to be like, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah, it, and yeah, I don't know. Like it, I am interested to see if it, you know, is it, I don't know, like held against him or does it make Sweeney, you know, more willing or, or feel more motivated to be like, okay, that's a place where we can, you know, we probably weren't re-signing him in the summer anyways. So there's a chance to move on now and upgrade that spot. Because again, like he, he has struggled too when he's been on the ice, and you understand he's battled injuries all year. You know, call it an excuse or a reason or whatever. Like it, it's a factor. Because I, I, I keep going back to. I feel like it's gotten completely forgotten. I thought Derek Forward actually played pretty well at the start of this season. Like I actually thought he started the year fairly well, and then the injuries lingered and he missed time and. He definitely hasn't looked good since coming back from from that injury, which you know was about what probably six weeks ago at this point. I think it was like mid January. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's you know it, it's a spot that you in the lineup where you circle that and you go that that's like an easy place to look for for an upgrade. Um, I also thought Parker Weatherspoon played pretty well getting back in. Um, him and Kevin Shattenkirk on that third pairing. So I don't know. going to be interesting. To, like, I think you almost have to put forward back in just so like you make it clear that it was only a one game benching and, you know, people don't have to like, you know, if he sits the next couple of games, people are going to be like, Oh, was it actually two or three games? Like did that one missed meeting basically spell the end of his time in Boston? Um, so I assume he'll be back in on Thursday, but I do wonder, you know, if his his days as a Bruin are are numbered at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair fair question, and it's a, something that everybody kind of thought when they heard. Um, like, I mean, he could have just as easily been healthy scratch, and people would have understood it that way. But then when you hear it, it's this more of like a character thing. It gets it gets compounded with the the play that hasn't been there, and. Um, I still, I'm curious to, Razor would probably disagree with you on that too. Uh, he likes shot blocking defensemen, but uh, you know, at, at a certain point, the 
the cons outweigh the pros. If, if the guy is slow and, and he's not clearing pucks when he needs to, and he's bad in transition, like you need defensemen that can move the puck and not be liable to, to turn it over in transition. And he's obviously not their best uh, yeah, puck and, moving transition defenseman. Yeah. And he's, he's lost guys in coverage. Like he was, he was in the Vancouver game. He was slow getting over to Brock Besser on a set playoff or face off. Um, yeah. You know, he has, hasn't been able to clear guys out. Like it's, it, it's just even the things that were you know are supposed to be strength of his game and and that have been in the past just don't seem to be there right now. Like, you know, he's a penalty kill specialist, and in the past it's been like, oh, it's noticeable when they don't have him. You know, yeah, the, the numbers the PK are like... percentage drops. Well, yeah. now he's he's been in there, he's been killing penalties. And the penalty kill still hasn't been very good. And it's coincided with the down with the drop and the yeah. penalty kill. So uh definitely the argument isn't as strong, right? Like you're you're whatever arguments there are to be had, like they're they're kind of getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think a lot of people would not be upset with a trade of Forbert's contract out. The problem is you know, as Razor says, any cup contending team wants a defender like Derek Forbert and they'd be willing to give. If that's true, that's great right. for the Bruins. Yes, yeah. right. Exactly. Like, just probably don't send them in conference, but fine. If there's Western Conference teams that want a Derek Forbert, trade them and then turn around and go get something else with that asset. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that'd be great news for the Bruins. Um, and, yeah, but. <laughs> But then you also, we've also talked about how you think they need to add um, on defense. But um, I want to talk about the power play shakeup because we're talking about like legitimate shakeups around the roster that they do have before they go externally uh, at the trade deadline, which I'm a little bit surprised. Like sometimes deals happen right around now rather than waiting to the last minute. Um, So we're kind of in a lull right now. There was like a round earlier and now there's kind of a lull and then we're waiting for this next rapid. It's going to be like a rapid fire few days at the end here. Um, But anyway, uh, that's a different subject. I want to talk about the shakeup on the power play because we we've had this conversation off the podcast. Uh, Is Morgan geeky on the top power play unit and Jake DeBrusque on the top power play unit solving anything? No, I mean, it, it, again, they they scored on the power play on Monday, and it was the only power play they got. So you got to give them credit there, but that was with Coil on, right? Like it was, it was kind of that. It was with the second unit, but like some of the first unit was still staying out, type thing. Obviously, Pasternak was on the ice, so um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Geeky's specifically Geeky. I don't think is an answer. On the top unit, it, it's clear that they are trying to figure out the bumper. They've all season long they've rotated through Zaka, Coyle, Geeky, and obviously no, none of them have really run with it. None of them have been great there. There's been times where I think each of them has shown something, and, and you think, okay, let's give him more time, but it doesn't last. So, you know, I, I sort of like I've. I've said this almost jokingly, but I kind of think it's real. Like, I think they might just not have a good power play bumper player right now. 
And, you know, I wonder if there's other, like Jake DeBrusque has played a little bit of bumper in the past. I wonder if they try him at some point, but obviously you're getting late enough in the season that like, you're sort of running out of time. You'd, you know, sometime in these next few weeks, like you'd really like to settle on something and have something consistent going into the playoffs. But I think they're still struggling to find that. I also don't like geeky taking the opening face off on a power play because he's not good enough on face offs. So no. And that's possession gone in the first yeah. five seconds of your power play yeah. with your, like with your sharpshooters on the ice, like the guys that you want to be in the offensive zone set up for the longest period of time on your power play. Um, in my mind, I'm not saying that they have, and of course, by comparison, no one's going to be Bergeron, right? And that's what the Bruins and Bruins fans are used to watching on the power play in the bumper. That's nobody thought anybody was going to come in and do what Bergeron did uh, with that position. It was always going to be at least somewhat diminished compared to that. In my mind, Charlie Coyle is the best option for uh, on that power play unit and on the bumper because, first of all, he's very rarely losing possession. He wins a lot of face-offs. He, he doesn't turn the puck over and he's good at retrieving pucks. He's strong, like, and he can play the bumper. I, I, you know, what are the other better options than him at the bumper? I, it's not, so far we don't have one. So in my mind, Charlie Coyle's taking your opening face off on the power play and then transitioning to, to play bumper or, you know, move up and down the slot, switch there is your better option than geeky and I think better option than Zaka. I'm not saying Zaka can't be on the, you know, on, on the power play or the first or second unit, but I think Coyle is the better face-off guy and better bumper option. Um, so that's, that's what I would do. And I'm not the coach, but. Yeah. I, I think like Coyle's had some, even five on five, like some good finishes around from around that area. And you see that and it's like, okay, that's, pretty tempting like that should work i i think one of the issues with coil is i i think he plays too slow at times and i think that's and at five and five it can work but on the power play i think in general the bruins have had an issue playing too slow with guys you know get a pass but then don't move it right away and kind of settle it and look around and like now the defense is already reset and i think coil can be guilty of that too so if you're if not moving the puck quickly enough is already an issue, like coil doesn't really help solve that and potentially makes it worse. So it, I I'm kind of with like right now of the options they have, I would lean towards coil. So it's not this isn't even like I wouldn't use him there. I, I think I would out of the options they have. Yeah. Um but I also see the the flaws. Like I also see why Montgomery's hesitant to do it. Yeah, but like the details of Coyle's game are solid every night, right? Like he might need to move the puck a little faster, but you know what? So did Kudzaka. Like it, it, I think he's the best option. I'm I'm not saying he's you know Bergeron because he's not, but that's in my mind the way that he plays is more conducive to power play possession uh, and, you know, putting in rebounds than any of the other guys that they've used at bumper. And it makes me wonder why 
Like, why hasn't he gotten a more extended look there? Because he's he's out there occasionally with the top unit, but it's like usually to take a draw and then get off the ice and then someone else comes on. And we can talk about Van Riemsdyk too, because he's usually on the top power play unit. And that's where he, you know, that's his probably his biggest asset to the Bruins is net front uh, power play and what he can do screening goalies. And But we haven't seen him add all that much besides that in the past few games. I mean, when we do our up and down segment, he would be a down. I mean, he's on the fourth line right now. Um, and some of the, some of the guys that have been called up have had better games than him over the past stretch. I also, I didn't like the timing of when Van Riemsdyk got bumped off the first unit because, you know, he's had a lot of those chances this year where he tries jamming it from the post. And I do think at times that's a low percentage play. But he had actually like scored a couple goals right, like two games before he got moved off, you know, using that move like from that area. And it was like, then they had one quiet game again and he gets moved off. And it's like, kind of feel like maybe you should have stuck with that a little bit longer, you know, like at least it was something that scored that produced a result, which they desperately need because right now, not much else is. Yeah, I mean, last year they added Bertuzzi at the deadline. They tried him on different power play units. Like, if they add a a middle six forward, you could add another element to the power play. Like, this is part of my way of thinking about what they need most. Um, And just a little bit of... um, maybe someone that can play the bumper or maybe another option that can be dangerous as a winger, like on on one of the flanks. And I personally lean that way. I understand there's good arguments to be made for a defenseman, but um, as long as Lindholm is healthy by then, like, because he hasn't played uh, in the road trip at all. Um, And as long as, uh, as long as the defense seems like it's going to hold up. I'm not a hundred percent like in on the big move being a defenseman, right? Like you could make a move there, but like, if you're really going all in on a big move, I would rather see a, a like a second line forward, middle six forward. I, somebody that they can bring in and, and plug in on their power play. That's just where my head's at. Um, and <laughs> Scott, I see you, you're looking something up. Yeah, well, because I was just thinking, so the Bruins obviously change out bumper and net front quite a bit. They've rotated through. The three mainstays on the top power play unit have been Pasternak, McAvoy, and Marchand. And obviously Pasternak's one of the best power play weapons in the league. No issues there. I do think at times they get a little too over-reliant on trying to set up him in the left, left circle. And sometimes, you know, they need other options. And that got me thinking, like, what are are, are Charlie McAvoy and Brad Marchand dangerous enough scoring options on the power play right now? Because it doesn't feel like it. And sure enough, Charlie McAvoy has one power play goal in the season. I get that his primary role there at the top is distributor. But, like, he's still, I've always thought he needs to be more willing to shoot and more willing to attack downhill. And it, I don't see it enough. 
And then I was looking at Brian Martian, who does have seven power play goals in the season. But you know how many games it's been since he scored on the power play? It feels like a while. It feels 19 like 19 games. Wow. January 13th was the last time Brad Marchand scored a power play goal. Like that he's he has to be more of a scoring threat. And and I feel like so I haven't I didn't dive into shot numbers, but I feel like his shot total will be lower than it should be during that time too. It just feels like we know he's a pass first player and he always has been on the power play. And that's fine because he always for years had either Pasternak on the other circle or Bergeron in the bumper as an option. Well, if you're not getting the production out of the bumper, like Brad Marshall needs to be more of a goal scoring threat. And I, and I don't feel like he has been. And so for a second, I thought it was muted. Sorry. Uh, on the second unit, they had uh, Brazo for one of the games um might as well on, try anything I, that's what i'm 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 for it throw him net front if you don't want <laughs> if you don't want, i don't know um he's obviously a, a different style of player than any of the guys on the top unit that currently are there um i mean it's a huge promotion from someone who we didn't know was gonna make an nhl debut during the season at all uh but why not he's got a nose for the puck around the net I'm okay with trying it for a little bit, but I mean, you got to try something. So um, I feel like we've been so negative, Scott, like my mood when I came here, I'm, I'm dragging well, you down. All, <laughs> you did drag me down and I, I, and I haven't had, you know, the most uh, happy, positive day as it is. I had to sit through Red Sox spring training in a basement and I sit in rush hour traffic. So, Oh, come on, Bridget. Hope springs eternal. The, no. the crack of the bat. No, God, no. Everyone, Not everyone's, the poem. Everyone's excited, right? No, 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 no. No baseball. They're, gonna they're eventually going to trade. They're going to sign Jordan Montgomery. They're going to trade away Kenley Jansen to do it. And then and then everyone's going to be excited. Jordan Montgomery is going to save the day. That's that's extreme yeah. sarcasm. I, that's, yeah, I just no, no, no I I got no response to that because it's just not going to, nothing's going to help. But um, after last season, I'm, I'm very down on the Red Sox and I don't see a whole lot of help coming on the horizon. See, you're, you were ready to jump ship on the Bruins. I jumped ship on the Red Sox at some point last season and uh, I haven't gotten back on. I'm not sure. Water's fine. What'd you say? I said, I, I think pretty much everyone did. Yeah, we're all having a fun time, a pool party out here <laughs> off the ship. But um, anyway, let's let's try to be, can we can we do something positive? Can we like, because I have, so. I don't know. I have something that's making me feel happy, feel positive, right? About the Bruins upcoming schedule. Okay. We're going on a road trip. Ah, yes. <laughs> True. On a road trip. I'm going to, we're, we're going to Montreal. So we're going to head up the day before, hit some breweries. <laughs> uh, hopefully the Bruins make it worth our while to go all the way up there. I enjoyed, I went last year, the last game of the regular season, had a great time. So it's also a beautiful 80 degree day. I doubt we're going to get that in March, but um, you know. 
And I mean, look, I'm looking we're forward being to positive, that. Bridget. I thought we were being positive. Okay, it's, it's going to be, gonna be 85. Yeah. No, no, no. That, that, that's, that's too much. 75 is good. 75 and sunny. That's Yeah, uh, well, I've been to Montreal in April before, and it was hailing miserably. Anyway, uh, I also went to Montreal in April last year, and it was 80 degrees. So we will see. Yeah, a um, little earlier. Yeah, I don't think mid-March we're going to be that lucky, but no. who knows? We but picked then a I'm going – I'm also going to – florida the week after that so i think, I, think I should have good weather down there you're killing my buzz again because mm-hmm. i'm not making that trip <laughs> and i need the sun and, and so that'll so i'm going down to visit my grandfather mostly that for the week but timing it around the bruins um having two games down there and, and it'll actually it's it'll be the first time i've ever been over to the eastern part of florida um, around the Miami area, obviously sunrise a little outside Miami, but I, I'm hoping if it works out timing wise to at least check out some of Miami on, on and the way. And so. you're going to go to the beach and get your tan on, right? That's right. You know no, what they say I, about Irish people? I'm not, I'm, not really, well. <laughs> not, I'm not really a beach person anyways, but like even just like walking along the boardwalk or something. So We'll you, you might want to put SPF 100 on if you take a stroll down the boardwalk. But yeah, no, um, I'm just, just going to be like the guy who's just going to be covered. Like my whole face is just <laughs> face, Your face is like chalky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't, I see, I can't make fun of you too much because I'm Swedish. But I do tan actually because of the French Canadian part. But. So I, I do too because I also have Italian and Portuguese in, in my background. Um mm. But I got to get like past the Irish first. So it's like there's going to be sunburn to start the summer. Mm-hmm. But then like it does eventually turn into a tan. I can't wait to see you come back like a lobster. <laughs> well, I'm, anyway. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'm, we'll be, I'm sure we'll be recording at least one or two podcasts while I'm down there. So you're going to be you'll... having a margarita in your swim trunks. <laughs> <laughs> see how see how the connection is on South Beach. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember when Brian recorded Brian recorded from like Animal Kingdom or some shit where there was like hyenas in the background. <laughs> like we had to we had to call it off. We were like the hyenas <laughs> I don't know what what was going on with that, but he also tried to do it from like LA one time in an alley <laughs> and that didn't work either. <laughs> I've tried I, I couldn't even connect when I was in the Bahamas. I c- couldn't even get enough internet to even connect at all so when i'm gone i'm gone usually <laughs> yeah the, that's like the only trip i did that where i was like totally off was when i did england and scotland and all the Bergeron and crazy stuff happened you guys like texted me about like recording i'm like i'm not recording like good like, luck guys. i'm already <laughs> too drunk to record yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one in the afternoon i'm like it's 6 p.m here like happy hour already started yeah happy hour was three hours ago um <laughs> Yeah, no, it's okay. I I wrote the articles. We did the we did the podcast. It's okay. You enjoyed your Scotland. That's, That's right. really yeah. all the only positive stuff that we got. And guess what? None of that was about the team. <laughs> but hey, what, so what do you what do you think the Bruins do end up doing at the deadline? Like, I'm, we're obviously going to cover this. You know, we have several more episodes before the actual deadline on March 8th. But as we sit here right now, like what do you think they end up doing? Big move, small move. 
stand pat? Uh, at this particular moment, big move to add a forward. Not Noah Hannafin. They're going to wait him out until the summer. Like they they might wait someone like that out until the summer, especially with the connection to Boston and the rumors that he isn't doesn't necessarily want to sign an extension wherever he goes and he's a rental. So wait him out or wait, you know, wait. You have to wait one aspect of it out. Yeah. Um, I, I so. do think depending on where Hannafin ends up, like he could sign an extension somewhere else for sure, because I do think, I do think part of him will be like, okay, well, this team made the effort to get me. The Bruins didn't, you know, like sort of feel yeah, but sort of like wanting, wanting to be with the team that, you know, went all out to get you type wanting thing. Wanting to be wanted. That's, yes, all, exactly. that's all any of us yeah. want. Um, but, but also he definitely understands that the market for him is so high. Like there's just some, like, you know, it's like when you're, you know, if, if you're a gold digger and you're like, okay, well, well, not everybody that's, that wants to date you has enough money to date you and take you on expensive dates. So you're going to have to wait, you know, a little bit, uh, get your payday. It'll come for you later in the off season. Maybe, I mean, the, the market for him is gonna be really high like of of the people that are rumored to be available his he's up there like he's way up there yeah it it will be but i i also wonder if it stays like relatively within reason like i i I would still be kind of surprised if someone gives him like eight million a year say or like more than that like i i kind of feel like there's still a bit of a ceiling because i think like i feel like most teams understand he's not like a true number one. He's like a really solid two, three, four guy. Um, so I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested, but he is also in his prime. Like, so that, that helps yes. for sure. Yes. And he probably can get a lot on the o- open market too, like as a free agent. So he probably wants to dip his toes in that when, when the season's over. Um, I wish Jake Getzel was going to be available for not a ridiculous price. Like, I like Jake Getzel. That would be my like big move choice, but I think he's probably out of reach as well with what the what Pittsburgh is going to want for him. But I've always liked him as a player. Also, I gave him the nickname Pretzel. I don't think anyone else calls him that. But um, yeah, I call him. I, he's Pretzel to me, and uh, you know, you, you call him this like in real life, like you just yes. You, you chat with Jake Ensel and you're like, what's yeah, up? Pretzel? No, you want to hear a funny story about this actually though. I was in a bar in Nashville. The entire Penguins team was there till about three in the morning. Um, we stayed there till three in the morning because we're like, they're here. Let's just hang out. So when I noticed they were there, I was panicking because uh, Sidney Crosby was there and everybody could probably uh, understand based on comments I've made on this podcast that um, I would, I would be freaked out by that, that that would, that would, you know, make me stop breathing or something. Um, but I saw Jake Getzel first and I yelled to my cousin. I said, pretzels here. And she said, you want a pretzel? And I said, no, you don't get it. Pretzels here. And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and I was like, yeah, no, it's a hockey player. <laughs> and then, then Cindy Crosby and Phil Kessel were sitting in the, in the far corner trying to hide from everyone. But uh, yeah. So yes, I do call him pretzel in real life. 
Yeah, but I would love Jake Gensel. Like he's he's awesome. He's I know some certainly some of his success has been because he's always been online with either Crosby or Malkin, usually Crosby. Um, but he's he's a great offensive player in, in his own right and really does it all like finisher, playmaker. He gets to the front of the net. I think when I wrote up the like forward targets, um, which actually we haven't recorded since then. So by the way, people can check that out um, on Monday at wei.com. I posted uh, 16 forward targets. I maybe got a little carried away and just kind of kept adding names to it. But, <laughs> um, but you know, he was on there as obviously one of the top targets. Scott's know. drafting a whole new team. <laughs> <laughs> well 16 different forwards <laughs> I, I will say the like as i was going through it trade i do the think whole that, team piece by piece for the other <laughs> yeah trade trade your entire four all your <laughs> just, just try to swap um, it all out that's a big trade deadline right there no but i i do think there's more forward options or at least it looks like there will be than defensemen hmm. um which isn't surprising like usually impact defensemen are Hard to come by, just like top two centers are hard to come by. But it does seem like there's quite a few wing options, especially like in the middle six range. And then there's definitely, you know, fourth line depth options. Like th- those guys are always there. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, even guys like like Anthony Mantha in Washington or Riley Smith, if you stick he in Pittsburgh. around at trade deadlines, doesn't he? Well, I mean, Washington made that big trade for him. They gave yeah. up a ton, and yeah. he really didn't pan out. He had, like, a few down years and is finally bouncing back this year. And, like, everyone – he kicked the crap out of Nick Cousins over the weekend on, on Saturday. He had, like, a – He's a big guy. He, he dropped the gloves with him. Yeah, he does have a lot of size in Nick Cousins, so he should win that fight. But everyone loved that because everyone hates Nick Cousins. He's he's a pest. He's annoying. Um, but – yeah, but like he's also shooting the by far the best shooting percentage of his career. So I think people should be a little, little weary there. Like his goal scoring is probably going to slow down a little bit. Yeah, um, come back down to the average. Yeah, but it you know for Washington, like I'm sure they're thrilled because they're like, okay, well we can sa- sell, you know, as high as they can. They're never going to get back what they gave up for him because yeah. they they way overpaid. But yeah. No, I I don't mind him. I don't mind him either. But I feel I my like, and this is probably a an out of reach idea. But if we're talking about like what I'd be excited to see the Bruins do at the trade deadline, like what they should be willing to do something crazy for, like Jake Ketzel would be someone that. But you know, what does Pittsburgh want that the Bruins have? Right, and how do you make the salary work? It's it, like Gensel is worth a shakeup, but it, it would be really complicated. Like, yes, you know, they're unless they traded away Tristan Jowry or something, like they're not going to be in, in the market for Lena Selmark. So, mm-hmm. you know, that like that wouldn't really be certainly not all as part of the same trade package. You'd have to get another team involved, and it no matter what the Bruins do, it's going to be complicated. It's really it's like the over. Arch- like, yeah. It's the like answer really is prospects. Pros- yeah. Right. And, and the Bruins don't have those and would still have to clear out money in order to make the deal work. So yeah, not easy. Just find a way to get pretzel. 
That's what I'm going to tell Don Sweeney in the elevator next time I see him. And he's going to also are, be like, there's pretzels right here. What are you talking about? Um, I was going to say, are you going to start doing pretzel time? Because we do get pretzels <laughs> up in the press box too. So. If he comes, yes. If he if he's on the team, yes, pretzel time. It's pretzel time. <laughs> and I, I can I, I copy Scott's popcorn time segment. Crossover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I guess that's a little bit optimistic to end off, right? Sure. You having a crack dream about adding right, Jake yeah, dream about guys that they're not going <laughs> to trade for. So. Yeah, might as well my, trade for this. I mean, while we're doing that, my binkies Pavel Buchnevich, a player I've always really liked, but don't no. don't think they're getting him either. So no, my favorite thing is that people actually think they're going to trade Sidney Crosby out of Pittsburgh, and I'm like, that's not that's not going to happen. Don't get my hopes up like that. Um. But yeah, no, not going to happen. Anyway, what a fun podcast this was. <laughs> Who knew we needed Brian to keep us, you know, in high spirits? He would have found a way. No, but Brian would have been on, on my side, I think. And you you would have been, then you would have really know. been swimming upstream trying to keep things positive. I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's on my side with a lot of stuff. You're the you're the the wild card this year. <laughs> Some someone's gotta be gotta keep people on their toes. Can't be predictable. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm too. I'm like I'm too even headed or something. <laughs> I don't know. I I mean I think I usually am, but like at some point when you just keep seeing the same thing over and over again, it's like it, it's just it's hard for me to be like razor and be like. No, it's fine. Like they'll figure it out. There's still time. I'm like, mm, is there though? Because the trade deadline's ten days away. So, kind of have to decide if you have to do something or not, real soon. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely get his opinion on Sunday skate. He was on Jones and Mego today, but I didn't get a chance to listen. But um, I was listening. Yeah. It was, it was good. The they, voice of reason in any talk show about the Bruins bring in. Bring in they, Raycroft. They also caught because he was in for like almost an hour, at least forty-five yeah. minutes. So they they were also like taking calls on football and Patriots and drafts and stuff. So Razor had to do some crossover and. Well, talk yeah, to... he did. He was talking to Fitzy about who the Patriots should draft on the way out of the office after Sunday skate. He had his opinions, and I was like, he knows more about football, like about this draft, than I do. Yeah, on he's... top of it. Yeah, R- Razor can do it all. He's he's been around long enough. Like he's he's lived here for for years and years now, so he he knows what's going on. Yeah. All right. Well, tune into Sunday Skate. <laughs> that that was just all a long plug for that. If, um, is there anything else? If if the Bruins on? if the Bruins keep choking, we're gonna have to transition to to Pat's draft talk too. No. Yeah. No. Don't not not, not Red Sox though. We're definitely not. Don't even. Jo- yeah, no. No. Sorry, I'm vetoing that. Um, if you want me to be positive, we can do Celtics. I'll be plenty positive about the Celtics. Yeah, that that's easier. That's easier. Uh, we'll get Terp on. <laughs> Our Celtics writer right. would transition. Uh, Sunday shoot I'm, around. I yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, not quite. Not quite there yet, guys. Maybe if they're both in the playoffs again, we do a we do a 
combined show. I like that. I like I, that a lot. I, I fear for us that the, the Celtics are once again going to be going a couple rounds deeper than the Bruins, but there he goes again. All right, let's mm-hmm. let's send it on a low note now. I guess. All right, unless there's anything else you got to say. Anyways, just... have fun, everyone. Everything sucks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. I can't wait for Brian to come back next episode. <laughs> um. All right. Wait. I should probably say what the upcoming schedule is. So, can they beat Vegas? Um, they play Vegas. Who, by on... the way, is also struggling a bit. They've uh, they've not had an easy go of it recently. That is going to be Thursday night at home. And then the Bruins head to the road again. So to start March, they go to Islanders. They go to Toronto. And then they have a back-to-back where they come home and play the Oilers. That's not going to be easy. Then they play Toronto again. Jeez, that's not an easy stretch. Um, Those Toronto games should be pretty interesting. As well as the Vegas game. So, um I won't be there because I'm broadcasting a PC hockey game, but Scott, you got this. Um, and I think, I'm, I don't know if we 100% said this, but I'm assuming we're going to be recording Friday, sometime Friday after that Vegas game. Yeah. Um, obviously, Bridget will, will be playing catch up because as she said, she, she has other, I, other duties to attend to. What happens is I just watch it in the morning and then I... Oh, it's fresh in my mind. Um, and then we record. Um, but I finally have a Friday off from college hockey, believe it or not. Because for some reason, a bunch of games this week and the next few weeks for the men are Thursdays. So. All right. That's it. That's that's what we got. That's all we got today. All done. Um, well done. It's, you know, it's getting late. Closing time. All right. I'm going to. I'm going to say goodbye thank you all for listening normally brian does this part um thank you all for listening and we will talk to you soon